0: Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Philip Schultz said, I think one's relationship with one's vulnerability is a very delicate and precious relationship. Most people try to hide, disguise that vulnerability. And in doing that, you, I think, diminish a great source of power. This is episode 24 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Mark Metri. For the first 18 years of his life, he was insecure, socially anxious, and really had no idea where he fit in the world. He grew up with humble beginnings, with parents who had immigrated to America just before he was born. When his parents decided to move into a smaller town, the new school environment would present a ton of adversity, whether it be through racism or bullying. This would be the main cause of his social anxiety and cause quite a few other mental and physical issues. Being so young, he really didn't know how to deal with any of this inner turmoil and would turn to food, the internet, and video games. He would also dive into entrepreneurship and actually found his first success at 15, but really had no idea how to deal with it. All of this eventually led to him being lost and confused in college, and at 18 he was on the verge of wanting to take his own life. A major turning point happened one night on a walk and would be the catalyst for the person we know today. Now he's the host of the Global Top 100 podcast Humans 2.0, interviewing some of the top minds of our world today. This week, he'll become an author with his first book, Screw Being Shy, helping others deal with their own social anxiety. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Mark Metry. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming on the Vulnerable podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Um, I've been following your journey for the last few years uh, via LinkedIn and and recently got, uh, dove deep into your podcast and, and listened to uh, quite a few of the episodes. I haven't got all the way through them, but um, they've definitely been helping me out and, and I appreciate everything you're doing. And so, yeah, thank you for taking the time.
1: Of course, dude. It's great to uh, be on your journey too, Brian. And just to see all the ways that you become defiant and, uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, really just make your own path, man. So thank you for inviting me on your podcast.
0: Not a problem. Not a problem. So the first question I like to ask every guest is what is your definition of vulnerability?
1: Oh, Oh, damn man. Getting right (laughs) into it. Yeah, man. So I mean, um, you know, if you asked me this question, uh, maybe like five years ago, I would have told you vulnerability is weakness. Um, but in honestly, in recent years and this real journey that I've been on, I've kind of understood that the more vulnerable you become, is actually how less vulnerable you become, right? Mm. And so uh, what I'm saying is like, you know, I spent the first 18 years of my life trying to not be vulnerable, trying to hide about my problems. Like one of my main problems was social anxiety. I can never talk to people. And so I would always be trying to hide that and not be vulnerable. And in turn, it made me into a weak, um, physically and mentally ill person. And so if I've learned anything, it's that the more vulnerable you are, the less vulnerable you actually become to the world and other dangers so i don't know if that's a definition but that's how i kind of view it man no each vulnerable each, all the
0: time <laughs> each person's definition is different and i love it and and i actually really enjoy yours because i've never really had somebody put it that way or think or even thought about it that way in terms of being more vulnerable makes you less vulnerable but it makes complete sense and, and i've seen it over and over again not only with this podcast but just in terms of like what you see people sharing on social and stuff nowadays so um i definitely like that one so if you can look back on your life um, and, and, and however far back you want to go, what would you say is your earliest memory of, of facing through, facing some sort of vulnerability or going through some sort of struggle in your life?
1: So, you know, I remember when my parents uh, first came to America before I was born and, uh, you know, we kind of started off with uh, humble immigrant beginnings. You know, for sure, I remember not having a lot of money, but that to me was never really a problem like as a kid, I never really thought like, damn, I don't, I don't have money. I don't have these things to me. I never really wanted them. But for me, my, my first real struggle I think came when, um, you know, I began to develop social anxiety and, you know, the way it kind of happened was I ended up moving schools out of the city into a much smaller town and, you know, long story short, there was no diversity in the school. And so everyone kind of looked the same, everyone was white. And so it was about me and like a couple other people in like that entire town that did not look like anybody else. And so I had my fair share of like racism and bullying, and I had, you know, physical health issues like asthma, issues with my skin, issues with my bladder, issues sleeping, which ended up draining my energy. And so you know it's a combination of a lot of factors where, you know, I wasn't healthy and I was placed in a not so great environment with some not so great people at times, that really just ended up making and forming my mindset for like literally ten years, a decade, to be like this person who's super afraid of the world, super socially anxious, can't talk to anybody, didn't really have any you know intimate relationships or anything of the sort, and so that for me is like what I kind of view as um, not the root problem. Of my life but that to me is what I view as sort of like the first I guess series of problems that arose in my life and this happened when I was like 9 10 all the way until like 18 19.
0: Oh that's quite a bit of time and and even at 9 and 10 that's I'm sure that's not easy to to go through only because of the fact that we're not really set to face those issues yet at that age. We're still trying to figure a lot out at that point. If you can think back though, was there anything that you can think of specifically that you did to help you overcome it or get through it? Um, I know like you've talked on your podcast and obviously when you sort of after 18 there, you started to make some shifts, but at that point in time, was there anything that you did to, to sort of help you help yourself?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. So, um, I think for me, it was just, uh, I mean, I guess you could call it helping myself, but I think it was just trying to uh, escape and cope with it. Um, Like I remember, like in my teenage years, as I eventually began to make my own money, uh, I remember just like using food as a big crutch, like whenever I was bored, whenever I was tired or anxious or nervous about something, I'd always just hit up like the the drive-through at like my local junk food dealer. And um, (laughs) (laughs) I did that for sure. i abused uh, video games. I played video games all the time. Uh, I was on the internet uh, a while ago. I think that's probably my biggest coping mechanism. Um, You know, for sure, I would definitely define myself as an entrepreneur. Probably, you know, my entrepreneurial ventures at a serious level began to arise when I was super anxious and it was just sort of my own coping mechanism where like some people they had sports some people have partying and alcohol some people have um books that they escape to and read all day and so that for me was my escape kind of the internet entrepreneurship video games um and that kind of stuff so
0: just something that comes to mind as you're saying that, would you say that you found any community through video games in the internet? Because I know like the online gaming scene and stuff like that, that, you know, the people that are in that are like in it. And so I'm just curious because as you're saying it was a coping mechanism, was there any sort of community that you found there that was sort of that outside world for you compared to the one that you were in every day at school and everything or...
1: Damn man, you've done your research, bro. <laughs> I love this question, man. So for sure, I mean I remember honestly, like some of my best friends Some of my best friends were people that I literally had never met before. People that I would just, you know, we'd hop on Call of Duty every night at seven o'clock, we'd join some lobby or some board, and then we would just get to it and we talk on our headsets and stuff. And you know, honestly, I think I probably understood at least some shallow level of community in, uh, in 2013 when I was like 15 years old and I ended up finding this game called Minecraft. And uh, long story short, I ended up starting just like this, uh, this multiplayer server, which is just a place where you can go and play with your friends. And for me, it was like originally just like, so me, and, like two of my other buddies could just like play on and then we eventually decided to open it up to the public and um you know we got tinkering and long story short you know it becomes the world's number one minecraft server um in a couple years like 10 10 million people on our website uh hundreds of thousands of dollars just coming in um staff team of over like 40 people um Just, I think my real understanding of the layers of community and how that works that's kind of when that slowly began to come in when I was like 15. And um, I mean, you know, honestly, nothing really profound to happen in terms of community. But I remember this one time uh, I got this message from someone on our website, and it was a user. And I'm pretty sure it was the girl. And she told me that I think she was like 13 years old or something. And she told me, Um, you know, she's being bullied at school, and her parents just um, broke up. And she doesn't really have any friends, and she doesn't really know how to deal with it. And so she told me that, you know, whenever she goes on this Minecraft server, she meets and sees all her friends, and they talk to each other. And so that was maybe like a glimpse of how I um, you know, kind of begin to understand a little bit about community, which you know has led me to doing the things that I'm doing now, for sure. So that's a great question, man.
0: Oh, for, that's that's I, I I haven't even heard that story <laughs> <laughs> of all the the podcast episodes i listened to and even the posts that Nobody I nobody's asked me, man. I didn't I didn't even know that and that, but again, it just I can see how you can relate that to what's going on now and the messages that you share all the time of people that reach out and and sort of say the that same sort of thing and and but yeah, uh, so what new strength would you say you discovered in yourself at that time? I mean, you're 15 years old, you've got the number one server, you're making this money, you know, was it the strength of entrepreneurship? Was it something else? Like what, what would you say you discovered in yourself going through that um, whole situation at at, at a young age?
1: Yeah, man. So, so I'm of the generation that kind of saw people like, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, Uh, Jeff Bezos kind of like rise to, to, to power. I mean, maybe not Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, but kind of like on the younger kind of Silicon Valley side. And so for sure, for sure, that was becoming a thing, but it wasn't really legitimate. You know, at that time, even though I'm a young guy, social media wasn't really um, respected. Neither was the internet. Like I remember when I was kind of doing this, I felt no superpower. I felt no strength. I felt, I felt like I wasn't even successful at all. Because at that time, you know, my, my compass was set on, um, you know, what society viewed valuable, which at that time was, you know, being a student grades at school. It was athletic ability. It was, you know, social ability to have a lot of friends and, and get girls. It was uh, being artsy being creative. Like if you have some kind of musical or, or arts and crafts kind of thing, that's good. I didn't have any of that. And so honestly, dude, the first time I heard the word entrepreneur in my entire life was when I was 19 and I was being interviewed by a writer from the Huffington post. And he called me that. And I was like, wait, what does that even mean? It's like, <laughs> it's like some French word or something. And so I Googled it and I kind of like looked at it. I'm like, Oh wow, this is actually what I've been doing my whole life. But I never realized and because I never realized, I never actually got validation or success or feeling from it. I just thought I was like some weird kid that was like doing like these random things. And, you know, funny enough, it's like, despite the monetary value of my Minecraft server, um, I literally didn't think twice about it. I didn't think it was something of significance whatsoever until I was a guest on my very first podcast in 2017. And I didn't even tell them, um, I had a college roommate at that time and I sort of like, you know, talking about my life story, kind of like, as I was transforming before anyone knew who I was, then I was telling him on how I kind of did this when I was younger. He was like, damn dude. Like, and then he asked me more questions, like what happened to it? Like how much money did you make all this stuff? And he had two friends from his old high school that hosted a podcast. And so he told them about, like, his roommate that was doing these random things. And so they interviewed me on their podcast, and they told me, you know, like, I remember one of, like, the first, second, or third questions was, like, you know, so we heard you had a you have a Minecraft server. And I just, I remember at that time when they asked me that, I was, like, like, wh- why do you even care? Like, <laughs> like, why does it even matter? And so at that time, in 2017, I was, like, oh, crap, like that was actually a good thing that I did in my life, but I just never realized it based on the data and the feedback that I was getting from, you know, the external world. And so for sure, it gave me a lot of like superpowers and strengths that I'm using again today. Um, you know, cause I've been at this, I've been at like this entrepreneurial venture for like the last 12, 13 years of my life. I've just like, you know, shot like 25 times and I've, missed probably most of those times except for a few times and those have become successes and so Yeah, that's the way I
0: kind of view it. No, no, and and I mean your post that you did recently on, uh, I think it was LinkedIn, and then you've probably put it everywhere. But it was that one that that hit me was the one that uh, basically you showed like all those different businesses, and then most of them said failure beside it, and only a couple said success. And to me, like you know, I don't want to keep saying things are inspiring and everything because I think the word is like really overused. But it was definitely it it definitely hits home because it makes you just realize that like all that stuff is teaching you something i mean even myself starting a business after i got let go from my job in 2017 like has it done great no but have i learned a ton hell yes (laughs) and i'm still learning to this day and and we're shifting and pivoting all the time but that's i think what it's about it's not about just sort of you know when it when it fails or whatever you want to put it it's just like sort of burying yourself in a hole or something and saying oh I, i suck and you know i'm no good at this it's more taking the lessons from it and then seeing where you can go from there So,
1: dude, that's exactly right, man. And the fact that you said that is like, I'm so excited five years from now or 10 years from now, when I look back at like, like my book, for example, that's about to come out in a few weeks and I bet you it's going to be the same thing. You know, it's like we learned a lot from it and ultimately it's just what makes us better. And, you know, as a human, I'm called to um, self-evolve and that's what it's all about. Uh, Because the more you can evolve and grow yourself, the more you can be of service to other people. And those two things are what life's all about. So failure gets me closer to that. Maybe not in the moment,
0: but. (laughs) Oh, I like to say there's no such thing as failing, only learning. And I don't know who said it and who that quotes from, but I say it a lot recently because I think it's just, it's the truth, right? As long as you're able to take that lesson. And it's the same thing for me with this podcast. The whole reason I titled it Vulnerable with the word able capitalize is because I want people to realize that these struggles and these things that we go through are actually lessons for us to move forward. And and like you said, it's even though you didn't see those strengths from the things that you did in the past, now you're looking back, reflecting and going, wow, I can actually use those skills that I learned when I was 15, 16, whatever age it was to now progress where I'm at now um, when you're when you're ready to use those strengths and skills that, that you may have incurred back then. so. You know, what What sort of, you know, I, I know, again, you've talked about this quite a bit, but just to get into it a little bit more, what emotional toll would you say those years up until when you started to make that transformation took on you? And then also, if you don't mind just sharing any uh, other stories that you have um, with the listeners in terms of things that you went through aside from that, like even just getting to this point now, because I know just from, again, hearing you share it and stuff that you're at a much, much better place now. But if you can just sort of give us an idea, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, man. So when I look back at that time, um, I mean, for sure, obviously, like I'm grateful because of all the things we talked about. Like, I'm grateful I really um, did not do well in the first portion of my life when it comes to the things that actually matter not money, but actually, like, you know, mental health, happiness, peace, um, being able to communicate with yourself to the world. um, I'm grateful those things happen. Uh, and I also know that there are a lot of other people who have had like way worse things happen to them for sure. So I'm very grateful in that respect. But man, honestly, it was brutal. When I think back to that time, I mean, there's a part of me that's like, it seems so foreign that it just seems like a completely different lifetime. It seems like a completely different person. And I mean, dude, to give you the, an idea of how much of a toll it took, I mean, um, Ever since I kind of began to emerge with those problems at 9, 10, all until 18 years old, even after I graduated as a senior in high school, I wet the bed almost every single day. And at first, I thought this was some kind of like a biochemical dysfunction. And to a degree, it is, which we'll get into. But what I actually began to realize is when I read uh, David Goggins' book. And he talked about he wet the bed almost every single night, too. And when I heard that from him, I was like, oh, crap. Like all these issues started to emerge in my life at the same time. And, you know, the way that he kind of describes it that I mirror is, um, you know, you can distract yourself all day like good and bad, right? Like we're, we're on this podcast, it's going to be an hour. You know, you could go for a walk, you could go to the gym, right? Like we're always doing things as humans. And we can also distract ourselves in some not so great ways too. But when you close your eyes at night, that is usually one of the few times where you have no distractions, where it's just you in your dome in the dark with your thoughts and emotions. And so I was... I was honestly waging this mental war on the inside of my mind for almost a decade that every single time I closed my eyes and I fell asleep, I would wake up in the middle of the night in a puddle of my own urine because my brain went into a fight or flight uh, nervous system response because I was in so much fear because I was believing all these thoughts in my mind was telling me. And then I would get up in the morning, go to school and do the same thing over again, again and again and again. That was literally my life for 10 years. And the craziest part was that when I didn't wet the bed, I didn't go to sleep. And so I remember countless nights where I would go to bed, I would close my eyes and I would try to fall asleep again and again and again. And I would just be awake in my mind and I would be, you know, overthinking a thousand different social scenarios that I had. And people with social anxiety know what I'm talking about. Of like, I I should have said this to someone, I shouldn't have said that, I should have acted in this way. Just trying to um, control my self image. And so it was either go to sleep, go into a fear response, wet the bed, or try to fall asleep, not be able to. And I would literally just be awake in my mind for eight hours and then I would hear my parents' alarm clock go off in the, next, in the next room. And it was like, you know, it's morning time. And I would go to school not having slept at all and just be a zombie. And this was literally my life for a decade. And so um, it took an extreme toll on me. And so, um, you know, really like the way that this began uh, to, to pan out was when I was 18, graduate high school, I go to college. In college, I began to, um, you know, just understand more things about the world. I began to, um, you know, have experiences like I told you with my friend of like where I'm sharing my life. And I realized, oh, wait, not everybody did that. And so I sort of begin to realize how I'm like a little bit unique. Then I began to realize uh, my potential. And I kind of like, I don't see a full glimpse of it. By no means do I think I'm like awesome but I just know like at a very, very deep level, I have something to me because of like the successes that I have and just the way that I've, that I just think differently because of my experiences. And then on the other hand, you know, I remember going to college and I remember going to my first college party and I remember getting drunk for the first time ever (laughs) in my life. And I remember, you know, when I was drinking alcohol and I got drunk, um, I remember that was the first time in my life I wasn't socially anxious. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa, I can now talk to that girl or that guy without like any like hesitation as if like I'm about to have a panic attack. And so, you know, you look into it, turns out alcohol shuts off the part of your brain uh, that uh, factors in judgment in social situations. Um, and by no means am I saying alcohol is a, is a solution. By any means, never, never. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. By any
1: means, because it, it will destroy your body and set you up on a path for dependence and addiction. But um, when I had that experience, that was the first time where I realized I had social anxiety. Up to all those years of my life, I never knew it. I just thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought there was, I had like some kind of a moral failure. I was just different than everyone. I was an outsider. I was a loner. And so when I realized that and I began to like look into it, I was like, oh, I have social anxiety. I'm just super, super shy. And so when that happened and I realized that, and I also realized after the fact that I was drunk, that the problem did not go away. Uh, if, I mean, if anything, it probably got worse because we now know that if you drink excessive amounts of alcohol, it can deplete a lot of your neurotransmitters. And the next day you wake up a little bit more depressed, a little bit more anxious, which requires you to keep drinking again and again and again. And so it's, I mean, it's a vicious cycle, but you can definitely, um, you know, consume it every once in a while and be fine. But um, I realized that I had this problem of social anxiety. And I realized that, you know, unless I actually do something about this, I'm either going to like, try to escape this issue, which will probably be being becoming like some kind of an alcoholic. You know, if you look at social anxiety disorder, it's heavily correlated with substance abuse disorder, as well as social isolation, which is heavily correlated to suicide. And so I was like, man, if I don't fix this 10 years from now, I was 18 at the time. So when I'm 28, or when I'm 30, I guess, I'm going to be working some job that I hate, that I just sort of like did the bare minimum to just get it, so I don't die in society. I'm not going to have any intimate relationships. I'm going to come home to nobody and probably just drink alcohol, go to a bar, um, watch TV, fall asleep, and wake up and do the next thing again. And so I literally realized that like, if I don't do something about this, I'm screwed. I'm going to be way worse off. And so I kind of saw these two paths in front of me: do the right thing. Don't do the right thing and just try to escape in temporary uh, bouts of comfort and pleasure. And so when I kind of realized this, I tried to escape. I tried to, um, you know, like I talked about how I abused food. I abused food even more. There was a time in my life where I was eating so much when I realized I had this path, this decision to make. I gained over like 65, 70 pounds in a couple months. I was over 200 pounds and um, I began to get like seriously depressed for the first time in my life. Uh, My social anxiety went to social isolation and honestly got to that point where I was having suicidal thoughts and, um, you know, out of moments of desperation, out of trying to find a way to cope with that pain, I began to go for walks. And I began to go for walks in my city in the worst parts in the, of neighborhoods where there was the most crime because I just wanted, to some, wanted somebody to walk up to me and just end my life. And on one of those nights, you know, I listened to a podcast by Tim Ferriss and he talked about how when he was in college, he was also suicidal. And when I heard that, I was like, whoa, so I'm listening to a podcast right now from some dude who is in literally the same exact position that I am in right now in college suicidal. But now Tim Ferriss is like changing the world and helping so many people. And so that gave me like a glimmer of hope. And also at the same time, I remember on one of those nights, there was like this super eerie sense of silence. It's almost like that silence where, where you hear it. It's like you look up and there's no, there's no noise. And when I got to that level, man, I kind of felt like this weird, um, like a sense of intuition, almost just like pepper up. And like, uh, I almost felt it for the first time in my life. You know, it's not like I heard like some sentence or some voice or something, but I just kind of felt a warm feeling that gave me the ability to realize that maybe there's much more to life than what I have experienced. Maybe there's a lot more that I don't know um, what to do about. And so on that night, I really surrendered to my ego. And instead of trying to kill myself, I killed a version of myself. And it's not like I came home that night and I like totally changed my life. You know, it's not like tomorrow, I like stopped doing all the bad things that I was doing and went on a totally new path. It took me a long time, it took me a while, a small series of steps. But that was for sure one of the stories, one of the moments that was a line in the sand of like, I hit my rock bottom, I had this really life-changing experience that was negative, but it ended up becoming a foundation for me to build a new version of myself you know which is the name of my podcast, Human 2.0, yeah. and it's all about my whole story of transformation. You could do it, you know. So that's
0: what it is. No, it, two things that I I, I want to touch on really quick there, and and it just because it hit me when you talked about it. One is I think about like back in the day when I used to go clubbing with buddies and stuff like that, and we talk about having those first few drinks before we start hitting the dance floor and talking to girls, and we we joke about like saying, "Oh, I need my liquid confidence," and yet right. you know when you're talking about it, it's an actual thing. But like we just took it as a joke because like I've ne- I've always been a fairly confident guy. I didn't necessarily need it, but it was just this ongoing joke, right? You need your liquid confidence. But it's crazy to see that for some people, it's not a joke at all. It's like you know, I think back even to I don't know if you've watched the show The Big Bang Theory, but of there's course. the one there's the one character in there, uh, Raj, who has to drink yeah. just to talk to women, right? But I exactly. never even would have thought about it as like that sort of serious of an issue. And then the second thing is. I really wonder if I've sort of gone through a similar shift in terms of listening to podcasts and stuff, because when you talked about how that one podcast sort of clicks and, and, you know, and things started to make you think about, you know, your life now and how it's going to be 10 years from now, if you keep going down this path recently, like I used to indulge in marijuana quite a bit. And very recently it sort of hit me like, okay, I'm about to have a kid. And do I want to be, you know, five, six years into being a father, 10 years into being a father, and I'm, you know, still smoking, still like, you know, acting that way and stuff like that. And it really sort of hit me as to like, is this a habit that I want to keep or is this something that I'm just doing to sort of maybe block other things out? So, again, it's just I'm just relating to, to to myself. And it's amazing how, like, you know, certain things in your life can make those shifts in your mindset. And I've seen that for myself recently too. So I just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's Dude. really...
1: For sure, bro. And I mean, listen, man, like if you think about it, it's like this, man. I mean, the, you know, alcohol, marijuana. Uh, I mean, I actually have a subsection in my book that's about drugs because, uh, and marijuana has included alcohol. I talk about sugar. I even talk about caffeine as the biggest drugs of our society. And I don't necessarily think each one of those is inherently wrong or flawed in any way, depending on the person. But Essentially, it's a bigger point that I've realized, Brian, and it's how we cope with pain. And one of the things that I realized is when I was a kid and I was going all through that anxiety, the reason why I didn't have a human's 2.0 moment like I did when I was suicidal and I was 18 and I changed my life earlier on was because I was always trying to ease my pain. I was always trying to ease my pain in a particularly, usually unhealthy coping mechanism, right? There are healthy coping mechanisms and there are unhealthy coping mechanisms. You know, personally, I believe that if you use any kind of a substance, whether it's something that is relatively harmless as a coping mechanism, it could still put you in trouble because you're reliant on some sort of an external validation to change your internal emotions which can definitely set you up on a tricky path but this is the thing that i realized man people are living from the moment they wake up they are experiencing their lives and different events come from the inside like our thoughts and emotions sometimes our brain is trying to tell us stuff to get us through our dome but we just don't listen sometimes it's from the outside world And almost always what I've realized is the foundational layer to finding who you are and to go on that right path is to get on the path of truth of who you are in your life. Truth is the chiropractor of the mind. And if you have been evading truth for so long, it's going to be extremely painful. And so we set our relationship up with pain to avoid the truth of who we really are. And so The reason why people don't access the real truth of who they are and get down to these breakthroughs is because anytime something discomforting happens, anytime life goes south, you go to drink something, you smoke something, you vape something, you, um, you know, you, it could be sex, it could be pornography, it could be junk food, it could be video games, it could be literally anything you can use to escape to put yourself in this state. And what happens, you perpetuate that deliverance of pain for when the truth actually comes and hits you right in the face. That's why I got to a point where I was um, suicidal in my life. And so I think for sure, um, one half of it, one half of this equation, I'm not exactly sure on the percentage numbers, but one half of this equation is the truth. It's pain. It's are you actually doing what you want to be doing in life? And then I think the other half of this equation is purely biochemical. And what I'm talking about is you know, in my book, there are an abundance of scientific studies that show hey, guess what? If your brain, your organ is inflamed due to eating junk food, due to not moving, not exercising, due to not sleeping well, you have extremely increased rates of developing a mental health disorder. You look at another study where they took teenagers, they took kids and they changed their diet from eating junk food to eating healthy whole foods. They saw a 100% reduction in <laughs> suicidal thoughts and tendencies. And so when you look at it biochemically speaking, you know, the section in my book and as I told you before is like I before I became suicidal, I became overweight. I began to abuse my body with food, with junk food. And so there's a section in my book that's called first my gut broke and then my brain broke. And so when you kind of look at this, it is very like scientifically evidence-based. You're either avoiding the truth of who you are. You're either keeping up with so much pain and trying to sedate yourself with comfort in every second and not deal with the realities of life the other half is biochemical. Usually, I think the biggest culprit is food. And we live in a day where, you know, you even mentioned how, um, you know, you guys were sort of you and your friends were taking alcohol. So not seriously. Well, I mean, it turns out if you look at, I mean, in America, at least, the number three cause of death is alcohol. Wow. The number two cause of death is cigarettes. Okay. and And remember what I said about Social anxiety is heavily correlated to social isolation, which is the equivalent of smoking eight to 12 cigarettes a day. Number one cause of death in America, and this is done by a study by the Gates Foundation, Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. The number one cause of death is poor diet and the different diseases that come from that. And so when you look at it from purely biochemical, even if someone doesn't have their life figured out from the truth and the pain perspective, but you can help them sort out their biochemical, it can act as a vehicle, as another foundation to help them improve their mental health and make this a little bit easier. And so that's the way that I kind of look at these issues and how to um, look at them and how to come out of them.
0: No, definitely you're giving me a lot to think about right now to be honest and I'm glad and, and like I've heard you talk about this and it makes me think like I work right now a factory job and there's days where I'm like when am I gonna get out of here and then I listen to like podcasts like yours and other people's and and I hear these things and I'm like okay I need to make some changes and I have I've, I'm slowly making changes but I know there's more that I have to make but that that definitely gave me a lot to think about Me so too, bro. at too. this point you know where you're at right now uh would you say that you found success and fulfillment in your life or would you say that you're still on a journey towards that (sighs) so
1: so i remember when i was first starting off like kind of my transformation i remember one of the things i told myself was you know i'm gonna have a perfect day when i am you know making this amount of money i'm doing this i'm like super happy all the time and i remember there's maybe a moment in 2018 And it was not a particularly happy moment. It was just a moment where I was just doing a lot of things. And I remember I was driving and I kind of stopped and I was like, wait, literally everything in my life, for sure. It's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect, but I'm doing all the things that I really want to do. If I died right now, I would have zero regrets. That to me is like a perfect day. And so when it comes to success and fulfillment, um, I mean, for sure. There are days where I'm not happy. There are days where uh, I don't feel like I'm super successful. There are days where, you know, the outside world is trying to, um, you know, destroy me, beat you down. Like, like, you know, yesterday I got made fun of on Barstool Sports, (laughs) (laughs) which is like the equivalent of like, Forbes, but in the other direction, in the yeah, not yeah. so positive direction, <laughs> and so I mean, I'm I'm glad it wasn't something like serious, like they're like taking down my work or anything. It was just kind of funny, but you know, it is what it is. But for sure, I mean, the people that I have in my life that love me and I love them back. You know, my um, my position on health, my position on just what the hell I get to do for a living and wake up every day. It's literally like a dream, man. And I'm never ever ever um, because I've faced success early on in my life superficial the world telling you you're awesome i don't think i'm ever gonna build up an ego to get to that level where that's what it's all about business entrepreneurship title accolades money to me it's all about like internal peace and success and for sure um i think i have at a macro level objectively hit that for sure it's always a moving target it always changes i'm just on the path that it's all about number one self-growth number two being of service to other people. And so now I genuinely feel like I'm, I'm a success. I've made it both professionally, and then also just personally in my day-to-day life. And now it's all about helping other people do that too, and become more successful. So, you know, that's why I I came out with a book called uh, screw being shy that people can check out anywhere. Um, You know, you get books. Um, It's all about social anxiety, how to um, help yourself. And um, you know, It's, uh, it's something that I've really just poured my heart in and, um, I hope it helps people, man. And people can check it out anywhere they, um, buy books. My website is markmetry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com.
0: No, perfect. So I'm down to the last couple of things. So hopefully we can be quick here because I know you've got things to do today. Um, The last question I like to ask is, you know, if people were to listen back to this, there's a ton of knowledge that they can gain from it. There's a ton of things they can take away from it. But if you give people three key takeaways from your journey, your, your life that they could then use to implement into their own life and get through their own struggles and vulnerable situations, what would you say those three key takeaways would be?
1: Um, Yeah. So what I would say is, um three key takeaways. Um, I would say, number one, uh, try to figure out who you are in terms of finding the truth. You know, everyone talks about self-awareness and everyone talks about like putting yourself in different situations and environments to learn for sure. That's a step. But I think a big part of it is, um, sitting in the dark spots of your mind and just figuring out things that you purposely tried to forget about yourself that everyone has. There are so many moments where something bad happened to you early on in your life that you didn't know how to deal with. And you just threw it to the back of your mind and you locked it in a black box and never tried to think about it again, thinking that you, you know, effectively dealt with that issue but the reality is is that you have it and it might come up to bite you 10 years down the road um i don't have time to talk about how to do that it's in my book um number two is uh manage your relationship with pain Uh, again everything begins with awareness think about it what do you do when you're uncomfortable what do you do when you're confused what do you do when you're nervous what do you do when you feel like you are not making decisions and you're indecisive um And then once you identify those, they're probably not going to be healthy coping mechanisms, just, you know, human behavior, try to find ways to put in healthy coping mechanisms instead. So if every day in the middle of the day, you get stressed out and you take a hit of the blunt because you're trying to escape, you're trying to get high, maybe go outside, go for a walk and listen to a podcast. Maybe listen to your favorite music. You're getting that physical exercise in brain, blood flow to your brain. Number three is I think it's all about energy. If you don't have energy, and I think this more relates to the biochemical side of what I was talking about, and then other things like meditation, doing what you actually want to be doing, you can't be yourself, even if you know who you are, and you've dealt with your pain better, you have to have the energy to be who you are, and to have access to who you could become in the future. So that's what I would say.
0: Awesome. Well, last thing is just really a uh, chance for my guests to promote themselves. You've taken the time to come on here and share so openly and give us so many awesome tips and things uh, from your own life. So uh, the floor is yours. Go ahead.
1: Dude, Markmetry.com. Please check out my book. Um, Honestly, it's for people who... um, that are not just shy, although that's who I'm targeting. It's for anyone who wants to improve their mental health and their transformation by using a scientific evidence-based approach alongside making something super practical. There's exercises at the end of every single one of my chapters. I've read so many books. I don't want to waste people's time. I just want to give you the good stuff for you to figure out on your own, because that's the only way you can get your answers. So that's how I'd say markmentry.com
0: awesome mark again thank you for coming on thank you for taking the time and uh and yeah i'll get this episode out before your book releases so that we can get it out to the world because i think like i said aside from everything you shared here today i'm sure there's a ton more in there so again thank thank you for coming on
1: of course bro yo i gotta go run to my next podcast i appreciate you bro let me know how this goes message me later i appreciate you brother okay
0: all right man thanks take care Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Omeda, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.